0: Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. SoundPrints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushavel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to SoundPrints for the week of January 16, 2022. These events are on the KCB Zoom line. Join them using your computer, cell phone, or landline by dialing 669-900-6833 and entering the code six nine seven two get ready to share tips about living with vision loss at the next low vision support group call sponsored by the Kentucky Council of Citizens with low vision it's on January 19 at 8 p.m. JJ Meadow from AT Guys will be demonstrating the new Blind Shell 2 cell phone a phone created especially for users who are blind or who have low vision This will be at the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Roundabout on Friday, January 21. We understand that there have been many improvements in this new phone from the original blind shell, and this is your chance to hear more about the phone's features and also about its limitations. There will be time for questions. Everyone is welcome. Roundabout meets each Friday from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. on the KCB Zoom line. This event is open to the ACB community, so we probably will have a larger than normal crowd. Please plan to call in a few minutes ahead of time so that we can organize the call and be ready to begin on time. The January meeting of the Guide Dog Users of Kentucky Anna will be on Monday, January 24 at 7 p.m. Eastern. GDUKI will resume its work on the planning of an educational video about guide dogs and there will also be time for you to share your dog tales, your stories about guide dogs. KCB Next Generation, a chapter for members under 40, will hold its next Zoom event on Thursday, January 27 at 8 p.m. Eastern. As always, activities are open. And anyone is welcome. It's time for Page Turners on Friday, January 28 at Roundabout. This is a great time to share good books and get ideas for some great reading. Page Turners is sponsored by the Tri-State Library users and happens at the GLCB Roundabout on the fourth Friday of each month. Everyone is welcome. The Kentucky Talking Book Library will hold its January book club meeting on Tuesday, January 18, at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. This month's book selection is DB96370, The Secrets We Kept, by Laura Prescott. For more details, to obtain the Zoom call-in information, or to be placed on an email list to receive further information about the book club, contact the library at 800-372-2968. The South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind invites everyone to its social hour on Wednesday, January 19, from 2 to 3 p.m. Central, 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. The Zoom number for this call is 669-900-6833, and the code is 763-689-4411. The passcode, should you need it, is 25852. Library Users of America invites everyone to Library Without Walls, scheduled for Wednesday, January 19, at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Join book enthusiasts from around the country as they share books on a specific topic. The call is at 8.30 p.m. This month's topic is School Days, Nonfiction and Fiction Books About Education and or School. You may share up to two books on the topic, but you need to be prepared to give the book title, author, and where the book can be obtained. For example, it might be available on Bookshare, Audible, or from Bard or your Talking Book Library. If the book is from Bard, please try to give the book number and the narrator as well. Library Users of America calls are on their Zoom line at 669-900-6833 669 with the code 526 and the passcode 582 The December edition of the KCB Newsletter is available on the KCB information line. Call 773 from any phone and choose option 3 from the menu. And remember that you can listen to sound prints on the information line 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, by choosing option 2 from the menu. Now we bring you three more presentations from our 2021 convention. First, on page 2 this week, you'll hear a brief presentation by Heidi Kesterson, the facility administrator at the Charles McDowell Center in Louisville. She'll be talking about the programs available from the center. On page three, Tanya Gatton, the new administrator with the Deaf Blind Services of the Office of Vocational Rehabilitation, explains the services available from OVR to individuals with both a hearing and a vision loss. And on page four, Dr. Priscilla Rogers from Mooresburg, Tennessee, project leader on aging and vision loss with the Vision Serve Alliance, discusses current and emerging resources on aging and vision loss. Here's a new schedule listing the times when sound prints is heard on ACB Media 1. Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, Monday at 8 a.m., Tuesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., Wednesday at 4 a.m., 4 p.m., and Thursday at 10 p.m., Friday at 1 a.m., 10 a.m., and 1 p.m. As always, we welcome your comments and suggestions for future shows. Give us a call and tell us what you like or what you don't like at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. And don't forget to request your free large print calendar. Page 2. Good
1: morning, everybody. I'm Carla Rushable, and I'm the treasurer of the Kentucky Council of the Blind, and I'm so pleased to be here with you this morning. I'd like to take this opportunity to introduce our next speaker we're going to hear from Heidi Kesterson. Uh, she's going to tell us what's happening at the McDowell Center. She's the facility administrator at McDowell here in Louisville and Heidi does a very good job of uh, keeping us informed about what's going on. Let's ask Heidi to update us on the, um, on the McDowell Center and see where that is. I know that they've had a rough time during COVID, but that things are different this year than they were last year when they had a lot of their employees working over for unemployment. So uh, Heidi, would you uh, like to give us some information on the McDowell Center? Heidi Kesterson.
2: Hi, thanks, Carla. Um, Yes, it's been a transition year back. Um, I think the past two years have taught us all that we can be more flexible and more creative than we probably thought we could be. Um, We, like Cora said earlier, we returned back in June. Um, Staff took a couple weeks just to get back in the swing of getting to work and dealing with transportation issues. And then we started serving day students in July. Um, Currently we have 38 students. 10 of those do come in person and 28 are virtually. Out of those 38, 36 of them are both rehab consumers and two of them are from the Independent Living um, Program. This calendar year, we've had 74 referrals and 44 students that have completed the training at the center. We have served 37 counties. And we actually probably, what we feel is one of our biggest success this year was we had a student who actually attended every training area, as well as completed a work experience all virtually. So it was something I think, again, probably two years ago, we would not have thought we could have done that, but um, he did a wonderful job and was able to get through the entire program in, a, in the virtual world. And. Um, We have restarted our engagement opportunities, and Tanya might be talking about that in a little bit, so I won't say too much about that. But she um, stepped up and offered to start doing once a week an engagement opportunity at nighttime, and we are working at the center to look at offering something once a week during the daytime um, that Sandra used to do for the Golden Living for more of the older individuals to just have some opportunities to socialize, to hear about different um, techniques that Sandra can share with them, and we're excited to hopefully get that started here in December after the, ho- after the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, probably for our vocational prep sections or our training area, the biggest change there has been with our work readiness and work experience. Again, we worked really hard, um, or the The two individuals there, Leora and Jessica, along with Mary as their supervisor, worked really hard to develop a curriculum to offer virtual work experience opportunities. We had just got the program up and going when COVID hit and we all went home. Um, But they worked very closely with the American Red Cross and the Homeless Coalition to place six students. Um, So we've had six of them that have completed Five of those were at the Red Cross, and one was at the Homeless Coalition. And we are currently working on transitioning that work readiness, work experience to a progressive employment model. So, we will be able to focus not just on um, the work experience, but actual more of the job shadowing, tours with employers, informational interviews, um, and allow us to continue to build relationships with employers throughout. Louisville to expand the places where we can do those work experiences. Um, Positions, again, as Cora says, and as we all know, um, it's been a challenge to keep positions filled. Um, We did have several that retired, several that transferred um, into different positions within the agency, Tanya being one of those. Um, So we do have several positions that we are currently. Post, are currently posted, and we are um, waiting for several of them to close so that we can go through the interview process. We have our personal adjustment counseling position that is open. We have assistive technology, um, orientation and mobility, and then our RN nurse position that we're working on filling for the center. And then as far as facilities, just to give an update, um, as Cora said, we have some remediation updates going on in the dorm. Um, I've been working very closely with the architects that have been assigned to the project as well as um, other individuals throughout state government to work through that process. Um, it's progressed very quickly and you know, I think for a while we kind of felt like we weren't getting anywhere and we've done a lot in the past couple of months that it has really accelerated the process. We have done some tours. We actually went to KASB and saw the new dorm that was updated there. We've been to um, VIPs just to tour to look at, so the architects to get some ideas of some of the different tactile um, ways to look at setting up the dorm. And then we are going to go to the Thrive Center in December. So I unfortunately do not have a date that I can say we will be done, but I do feel positive that it has kind of progressed, like I said, and we've it's kind of taken off, and we've had several meetings and emails and groups that are going to be working together to kind of figure out the next few steps to get the process on the, off the ground and get some work started in that area. Um, other than that, we've done a few other updates, um, some furniture updates. We've updated our landscaping out front. I'm not sure if it was somebody from this group, but we had a few individuals that just had concerns about the landscaping and the sign not being visible. Um, So we've run, we have done the landscaping and are actually currently working on doing an updated sign with Sinorama to make it more visible um, and a little bit just updated and more modern. Um, And I think that is majority of my updates. Do you guys have questions for me?
3: This is Debbie Detheridge and do you have anyone doing the assistive technology out there right now?
2: Um, we have that. We have two positions that are posted. Um, the way we have been um, working on those, Mary Harrit, who is the supervisor for the instructional unit, um, she has been training the low vision students that have come through. She is completing evaluations and identifying. And then we have worked um, with Carol Weber for our assistive technology branch and her rehab techs are assisting with training as well. So once Mary meets with that student and determines the best individual to train with them, we partner with Carol and, and find the best tech that can meet their need, whether they're learning fusion or jobs. Um, we also have done some referrals to Bluegrass Council um, to work on with some consumers on some of the technology. and then, like I said, Mary herself is carrying a caseload, and she probably has right now about five students that she's working
1: with. Okay, Any other hands?
2: Right. So, I would just, I mean Carla, if I could just add one more thing, that position, like I said, those both the AT positions are posted. So if you know yes. anyone that is looking for that or are personal adjustment counseling position, um you know please share that information we've struggled with filling it for various reasons and a lot of it is just finding someone that you know fits the need of what we need at the center and has that
1: experience right meets the requirements of the posted job correct yes um and sometimes i don't think we understand that even though we know that you know um bob smith can can do this job just almost asleep, that that they do have to meet, Applicants do have to meet the requirements as posted through the Department of Personnel. So it's not just that the MAC Center can hire a person. It it does have to go through that state process. And sometimes that can be a problem. So um, anyway, it it can kind of hold things up, but uh, that that can't be helped. So, uh, all right, thank you, Heidi.
0: Page three.
1: Good morning, everybody. I'm Carla Rushable, and I'm the treasurer of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Our next presenters, Tanya Gatton, is the new administrator of the OVR Deafblind Services. She's here in Louisville, and um, we will be hearing from her about that program for the first time. I knew Tanya when she was in school, so <laughs> uh, it's kind of like old homework here. And first, I want to say, Tanya. Congratulations on this position. You just recently moved into that position and appreciate you contacting us and um, asking to come and share this information with us. I don't think we might have heard from deaf Deafblind program in the past, but I don't believe that we have, at least recently. So we're really glad you're here. Welcome, and we're anxious to hear about the Deafblind program through OVR. Thank you, Carla,
3: and um, I appreciate you inviting me uh, to speak. Most of you probably know I'm not new to the agency. I've been with um, the McDowell Center as an instructor for going on 19 years, um, but recently accepted the position as the statewide Deafline services coordinator that was previously held by Chad Hunt, um, so some of you may have worked with him in the past and then prior to Chad was Dorothy Burrain. Um So I'm excited to be in this role and it's lots of, I'm learning a lot. Um, it's uh, given me an opportunity to be able to serve um, our deaf, blind Kentuckians and still be able to, to be a part of the agency, but just in a Serving in a different capacity. So, as far as what I what that means is the deaf line coordinator um, is a lot of coordinating of services. So that means like if you have an open case with your counselor, then, um and especially now that you know we have, um, we're all under voc rehab, you would just have one counselor now instead of having a dual case. Um, so I would work with your counselor and with you to assist and support however possible. And oftentimes that means um, locating resources, um, helping with um, applications for grants um, to get equipment that you may need, um, trying to find uh, various adaptive aids and assistive technology um, that meets your specific needs and you know when we say deafblind that doesn't mean somebody's going to be totally deaf and totally blind um and for i would say the majority of the people aren't um, so as you have low vision and hard of hearing um, you would qualify for um, services that i'm going to be talking about and you don't even have to be a consumer of the agency to work with me. And that's where I'm in a very unique role, um, I think, because I can assist with um, getting equipment through the Commission of Deaf and Hard of Hearing or the ICANN Connect grant. I can work with you on that even if you're not a consumer, um, as well as helping to locate other um, resources for perhaps financial assistance for hearing aids, and those kind of things. I also serve on uh, teams when we have somebody who's um, trying to go to work, and so we have like the, the RCRPs, community resource providers, supportive employment, job coaches, um, oftentimes interpreters, um partner with Helen Keller a lot the Helen Keller National Center so there's large um, team meetings for many of our consumers and so um, on those calls since those are typically still being done virtually um, again just to help coordinate and make sure that um, all the needs are being met and to provide support to um, everybody involved and that also includes the the consumers, their support system, their family, um, guardian, uh, whoever is with them um, to help answer questions and help them to to learn to navigate um, all of the various programs that they're having to work with since it can get quite uh, complicated and confusing at times. So the two main things that I wanted to really make sure that, you all are aware of um, is I mentioned the Commission for Deaf and Hard of Hearing, and so they offer uh, equipment for telecommunication. So anything that you might need, as far as like a amplified speakerphone, um, signaling devices to uh, alert you to when your alarm clock's going off, when the doorbell's ringing, the phone's ringing, um, those kind of things. Um, so the application for that um, can be, there's a lot involved with it, and then um, it, it's just a very strict application um, as far as their requirements um, and eligibility and such. that's something that again I can assist you with regardless if you're a consumer or not um, if you find yourself needing some of those kind of devices for telecommunication and then the I can connect program um, many of you are probably familiar with that and it's been um, right now Helen Keller National Center is um, handling that grant for the state of Kentucky Um, so I would assist you in completing the application for that, getting documentation that's required to go along with it, and then attesting um, to your vision and hearing loss and submitting that to uh, the coordinator over the I Can't Connect program. Um, And then they would come out and do an assessment with you. Um, to figure out what kind of equipment that you might need through them and the distinction there is with ICANN connect is specifically for deafblind individuals and it's for di- distance communication. So basically anything you would need um, in the way of technology for being able to text email, get on the internet, um, those kind of things so they can provide um, I found. Excuse me. iPhones, iPads, laptops—you um, know, with or a Mac um, with the screen readers, and also um, braille displays, braille note takers, those sorts of things. Um, and so, you don't have to be needing it for work um, or school um, in order to be able to get equipment through can Connect. And so that helps a lot of people who aren't, don't have a case open with OVR, who aren't trying to go to work or already working <coughs> excuse me, um, can still get some of that equipment that they may need um, to be able to help them, you know, communicate with people uh, better. And so both of those um, applications, like I said, with the commission and I can connect, um, I can assist anybody with... Um, The best way to reach me is probably just to call the McDowell Center. My office is still there. Um, And they will transfer you to my uh, extension, or you can email me. um, And it's just Tanya with an I, T O N I A dot Gatton at KY dot gov. And we can talk in more detail about um, the different types of equipment and things that may help you, you know, specifically. Um, but that's probably the the message that I wanted to get across to you all today more so is just letting you know about those programs and how we can help with that. And then if you do have a case open with voc rehab and your counselor um, has not reached out to me um, and you would like me to be involved, you know, with um, your You and your counselor, as you're making decisions um, about going to school or trying to find a job, those sorts of things, and you can always request your counselor um, to reach out to me and and ask me to join in on those meetings. My last thing is, uh, I believe Heidi touched on this earlier, Um, this is not necessarily deaf related, but obviously everybody's welcome. Um, On Tuesday evenings, um, I'm doing what we last year when I started it, we called it Living Blind. And I've changed the name and now calling it Thriving Blind. Um, And it's just a social slash support group um, on Tuesdays at 7, open to anybody. Um, We have a distribution email list that um, the reminders go out to each week. And um, so if you would like to get information on that Um, again if you contact the center and if you ask for hope um, she's the one who handles that distribution list Um, and you don't have to be a consumer Um, we have people call in from even out of state a lot of times Um, and we're always looking for guest speakers Um, that are good role models to a lot of the people who are calling in are newly blind um, and still trying to adjust to their vision loss. And so um, anybody that would be interested in speaking on some time, again, you can reach out to me and let me know that. And we'll try to get you on the calendar starting in 2022. Um, And I think that's about it. Unless anybody has any questions.
1: Tanya, I want to really thank you for those comments. Um, uh, You have just demonstrated that no no matter how many times we hear uh, presentations and reports over the years, there's always something that we don't know about, and I can tell you that at least I was not very informed about that program that you are now heading up, and uh, I think uh, you and I need to have a conversation. (laughs) That will be a good thing. I have some people in mind right now that need to talk to you.
3: Okay. okay, well, I like I said, feel free to reach out to me. Um, I can, you know, give you my direct office number if if you want me to or if, you'll, um, if you all want that. But the easiest way, like I said, for anybody, if you don't want to have to try to write down the phone number is just to call the McDowell Center. I think most okay. people have that number, but I'm happy to give out either one if you if you all right. want me to.
1: Good. I do have a question for... I guess it would be both gay and tanya um i answer the phone for the kentucky council of the blind and i often have calls from people who live in assisted living um, facilities uh, or who are in nursing homes and the common denominator of course is that they are blind or visually impaired some of them are in those facilities simply because they are blind or visually impaired and uh if they were not if they did not have that visual impairment, they would probably be in their own homes. Um, can your programs serve that type of consumer? Carla, this is, is Gary. Yeah, yeah, go this ahead. Is, uh,
4: Thank you. And uh, the independent living uh, program can serve people who are in nursing homes or assisted living uh, centers. Um, we. We'll, again, just look at their situation, do an assessment, and try to provide uh, the type of service that will best suit their need. Or if they are transitioning, if they're only there temporarily, they're transitioning back home, uh, then do what we can while they're there and make a plan for when they're returning home that we can work with them at home. Or very often work with the staff. Uh, or family who are seeing that person um, every day or much more regularly Mm -hmm. than we can, that we Mm -hmm. maybe could teach um, or make recommendations for things that they could be learning and practicing before they would, Uh, go home or some things that the family might could get in place at the home uh, to make that transition easier. So um, the the basic answer to the question as far as independent living is concerned is that, yes, we are happy to speak with um, anyone regardless of their living um, situation at the time, including
1: nursing homes and assisted living centers. Okay. And maybe to help the family get an idea that the person isn't totally helpless just because they're losing their vision. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it happens all the time. Okay. And Tanya, I guess that would that be true also in in the case of your program, if they have a yes. hearing impairment? Yeah. Okay. Correct.
3: And you know, like I said, I'm always happy to talk to anybody and and or their families um, to help give some guidance on um, you know what services and resources are out there for them and help. You know, get what they need because obviously, a lot of those people that you're referring to um, often are visually impaired, but also may be experiencing just age-related hearing loss. Yeah, um, and yeah. you know, it may even be mild at this point, um, but they would still qualify. You know, for the, okay. the program and the services that I talked about. Perfect.
1: Well, I want to thank Kanye for taking part of their Saturday morning. To come spend with us and to Carla, share, we do have
2: one. Sorry, it oh, just popped okay. up. Okay, all right,
1: let's do. And um, it is Terry.
5: Can either of the programs that Tanya that you mentioned
1: be of any assistance in the provision of hearing aids? I I'm just very interested in that. Thanks. Those
3: two particular. One, the Commission for Deaf and Hard of Hearing and the I Can Connect program, they do not um, pay for hearing aids, uh, but oftentimes OVR can assist with that. and if not, um, we do have some uh, especially the cats network has some resources um, of a few of the different audiologists who will assist with discounts and things of that nature. I'm not, I will admit, I'm not real familiar with that aspect yet, just because I haven't experienced it in terms of anybody um, needing it. So it's a great question, and it's, it's just one of those things that I'm still learning about myself, but I do know that to, the Commission and I can Connect do not pay for hearing aids. Thank you very, very much.
1: Well, thanks, we certainly appreciate you taking time out of your Saturday morning to come talk with us and to provide some very good information. Um, I uh, can see that we definitely will want to be doing some follow-up activities. The nice thing about COVID is, if there's nice things about it, and there are, uh, is that there are opportunities here for us to have some additional informational events related to some of your programs. And I look forward to our being able to uh, work real closely with, with you on um, some of some of the activities that are going on out there and making sure that people know what is available to them. So thanks very much. Appreciate it so much, and you all have done a great job.
0: Page four.
1: Good morning, everybody. I'm Carla Rushable, and I'm the treasurer of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. The next speaker on our program is Dr. Priscilla Rogers. Chris, some of you who have been here a long time will remember that she, a number of years ago, was the executive director of, at that time, the Department for the Blind. In that position, she was great to work with. She actually was the director when the McDowell Center was built and was opened It was a privilege to work with her at that time. Since leaving that position, she has worked with the American Foundation for the Blind in various capacities and is known as one of the leading um, knowledgeable people in low vision services and, and services for the aging. Her presentation this morning is in our low vision newsroom. It is called Aging and Vision Loss current and emerging resources and um at this time chris is the uh, project leader on aging and vision loss for the vision serve alliance and she's in mooresburg tennessee and welcome, Chris. We're so glad to have you this morning. It's like having an old friend come home. Well, thank
5: you, Carla. And it's so great to be with you all. I, I've i missed Kentucky and I really enjoy working with people, and I still have a lot of good friends there. And in fact, I'm working on uh, some now with APH, which I'll explain in a little bit. I see that my colleague, Katie Frederick, is uh, here as well, and I'm working with her now, and I'll explain that a little bit later. I'm basically working with three different organizations, with the Aging and Vision Loss National Coalition through Vision Serve Alliance, with APH, and helping out with the Vision Aware website, and also still some at uh, the American Foundation for the Blind. I've been working on a special project on transportation. So today, what I'm going to try to do is kind of give you a national overview of what's going on kind of in the aging and vision loss arena, and then talk a little bit about some of the resources, as as Carla mentioned. So, um, first of all, on the Aging and Vision Loss Coalition, um, for those of you who don't know much about what's been going on in that arena, many, many years ago, the American Foundation for the Blind and several organizations worked very, very hard to try to get some funding for the older blind program. which. I know Gay Panel is here today, and she represents that program there in Kentucky. Uh, unfortunately, over the last decade, and I did say decade, uh, we have been unable to get any more money for that program. It's just a travesty, and um, and um, it's, it's really concerning because, as probably most of you know, the older population of people with vision loss is, is growing, and it's growing dramatically. And so without additional resources, then services just keep going down because we don't have the funding. And in fact, the number of people throughout the country who are getting services who are older and visually impaired has dropped about at least 10,000 in the last decade. And it's because of that lack of resources because states are having to provide the same services without having the same, I mean, the money goes down, because when you look at the factor of inflation, you know, you don't have the same bang for the buck. And some states are only getting a minimal allotment amount, it's what they call it, it's 225000 Well, 225000 for an entire state, even if it is a rural state and so forth, which uh, often can be even harder to serve, is just not enough money to do any kind of job at all. So the Aging and Vision Loss National Coalition was formed last year with the idea of trying to do something about this this issue. I call it an ethical issue because I think it is. It's just so overwhelming and so terrible. So um, when we set up our coalition, we talked about a long-term outcome, and this is what we said, older adults with vision loss will successfully age in place be able to engage in meaningful activities by having increased awareness of and access to resources, professional vision rehab services, and independent living tools. Well, that doesn't really have to seem like such a lofty goal, does it? It wouldn't seem so, but unfortunately, uh, given the situation with the funding, it is. So uh, we set up a a group, a national group, and we have been working on several initiatives related to trying to meet that long-term outcome. One of those called the policy and uh, uh, funding initiative is one that we have been working on coming up with uh, a bill It's called uh, the Teddy Joy Law. And I don't know whether any of you have been around, maybe Carla has, Um, but there was a woman that I worked with many years ago who was a member of ACB and uh, we worked on a self-advocacy toolkit together way back then and she uh, was such an advocate that everyone felt that the law should be named after her so right now that's what we're calling it i don't know whether it will end up that way in the long run but we've been working on writing it and some of you may have heard of mark reichard um, and he has been working with us on trying to put that together and it will include some pretty important stuff in addition to funding we're looking at trying to uh, add a, a major amount of money and uh, overall, as well as, uh, change the funding on the minimum allotment states. But we're looking at things regarding transportation, technology, and even setting up an office of aging and vision loss in, within aging services because we think that older people with vision loss are left out of entirely of aging. That doesn't mean that we would go away from having the OIB program where it is now. It's a very important program, but we're talking about additional, uh, resources uh, for older people with vision loss, so they're not left out. I wanted to give you another really awful statistic, and that is uh, there's something called the National Health Interview Survey, and when they did the survey, I think it was in 2017, that was the last time, uh, the the statistic was that less than 5%, less than 5% of people wanting vision rehab services were able to get them. And that is a terrible statistic, just a terrible one. Uh, That's nationwide. That doesn't mean that's true necessarily in Kentucky, but it uh, is certainly a nationwide statistic that we all need to know about and be uh, prepared to advocate for. And I'm gonna come now to the next goal that we have for the coalition, and that is we are working on coming up with a self-advocacy, not a self-advocacy, an advocacy uh, training program uh, we're targeting older people with vision loss who would like to be involved in uh, becoming an advocate and helping us with some of the av- advocacy related to this legislative work and other work. Um, but uh, what I want to say to you, I'm going to give you my email at the end of this presentation. If anybody who's involved in this call knows of anybody who would be interested in participating in that, Ah, uh, there's a man by the name of Anicio Correa, who's been working on that project for us, and uh, I can forward his uh, you I mean, your information if you're interested in working on it. I think it's exciting. I can think that I think that people who might have gone through the OIB program and who are involved in uh, like the council and so forth will be primary folks to to be advocates for this program and help with this this funding issue once we get the um, the legislation out there. Another thing r- related to the legislation is we're trying to think of the best way to phrase the transportation piece. We've talked about whether we ought to add talk about having transportation vouchers. It's just a really hard nut to crack because if there isn't any transportation to begin with, even giving somebody a voucher to get it isn't going to help. So that's a, it's a really hard one, and I know you all know that. I've been hearing some stories about how in Louisville, there's some issues even with the buses there. So... Um, so anyway, that, that's one thing we've been working on. Another thing, really quickly, uh, is we are working on um, uh, a, a big, what we call the big data project, and that is to really get some good statistics on the number of people with vision loss, <clears throat> uh, particularly older people uh, throughout the country, and a lot of whom have other types of conditions, like I heard Uh, Tanya, talking about the hearing loss piece, there are a lot of older people, as you all know, have hearing loss, but there are other comorbidities as well uh, that enter into it and also make delivering services more challenging. So we need to be aware of who, who they are and where they are and that sort of thing to do a better job of service delivery. And one other thing that we're working on through the coalition that I wanted to tell you about that I'm really excited about, I'm overseeing it, We are coming up with what we're calling an Aging and Vision Loss Leadership Academy. And through that, we want to get uh, to train people who are interested in becoming leaders in aging and vision loss so they can take up the banner. Uh, Like Carlin said, I've been around for a long time, and I hope to be for a long time to come. But there are a lot of us who've been involved in this work now for years. I've been in it for, what, 46, 47 years. (laughs) I've lost count. But we need people to come along and take up that banner and who are interested in it in aging and vision loss and uh, t- taking on the leadership role and trying to make these kinds of things happen. So I'm going to be putting, I am pulling together an academy. If we can get the funding, um, we will be trying to get this started either in the spring or in the summer. So if anybody's interested in it, wants to find out more about it, we're looking for both people interested in the academy and in being mentors. Uh, and people who are already knowledgeable in aging and vision loss or in leadership roles uh, would make awesome mentors because we want each of the, uh, the ten people that we're picking to be in the leadership program to have a mentor. So, like I said, that's kind of an exciting thing that we're working on. Uh, going to my AFB hat, we're asked to put together a handbook for transportation providers. That would help them understand the kinds of things they need to know about providing uh, good quality transportation services in terms of accessibility, awareness, all those types of things. So it's kind of morphed into a bigger project, and now they want us to write the manual to include information for transportation providers in terms of the uh, the big, you know, the people who are overseeing the transportation programs, the drivers, and also. Uh, um a handout for consumers to help them to know uh what to expect from transportation how they can advocate for themselves um what kind of, being blind tech savvy so that they can access uh, the transportation services because sometimes all of them are going that way all those types of things that, uh, so they can uh, be more aware of what they need to do now I'm sure everybody on this call uh, is well aware of all these things and that's why I'm talking to you um, if you, have ideas of the types of information that we need for this um, handout that we're putting together and the training program that we'll eventually do, I would like to hear it. Um, My colleague Neva Fairchild and I have been working on this for several months and we're getting toward the end, but I think it's always good to get more feedback and and information for people. So I hope that you will reach out to me or if you don't reach to me, Carla knows how to contact me. And so several other people on this call do as well. So I'd love to talk with you and get your ideas because we want this product to be the very best thing we can can come up with for uh, na- it's a national type of thing. It's for the national Ag- I always forget NADTC, uh, Aging and disability transportation network. Um, so it's a big deal, and we're very excited to have the opportunity to be involved in that. So then the other part I wanted to talk about, and I'm glad Katie's here. She may want to say something since she's come on board with, with APH. Uh, in my APH hat, I have been working uh, for years before uh, the Vision Aware program came over from AFB. I ran the Vision Aware program at AFB, and then when it moved over to APH, I've been helping out with it. And so um, we now have Katie Frederick, who has come on board uh, to run that program, and I'm helping her. But the Vision Aware uh, website, and I really want, I refer to it as a program because I think of it that way. Because we have so many resources for older people who are new to vision loss to help them with all aspects of living with vision loss, whether it be everyday skills or uh, technology, you name it. We, We want people to have information. And as you all well know, when someone first loses their vision, they don't know where to start. And so, Uh, Through the Vision Aware services and information, we have a lot of stuff that will help them to get started. And through the Connect Center, which APH has started, and I'm so excited about it, um, we have an 800 number that people can call to get help and know where to turn. If they don't know where services are in their state, they call an 800 number, and our INR specialists there will uh, help them find the services. They will also... uh, they they will really reach out i mean we had um, one of the sharon huey who was one of our specialists is talking the other day she had an individual who called who had just lost his vision he lived in a rural area he didn't even have anybody to reach out he was even having a hard time calling on the phone because he couldn't you know find the dials so it was it was a those are the kinds of things we get ourselves into which is a great service to be able to help and I think even with with the COVID stuff, like Carlos said, it's had some positives, but it's also had some negatives in that sometimes the services have been really slowed down. And so some people who uh need the services are just not able to get them. So uh, I, that service, the INR service, has been a great, great thing. Uh, and the the INR staff uses a directory of services that came over from AFB, but they have enhanced it, and uh, we keep on adding to it, and so forth. Uh, it has all of the agencies throughout the country that serve people, whether they be the state agency or nonprofit agency, and then uh, the INR folks are able to direct uh, people to their service. And they don't; only, they not only direct them, they often call on their behalf to make sure that the individual gets the services that they need. Um, also, through the Connect Center, we are able to offer some webinars. Um, Katie and I, last night, Katie hosted uh, a, a gift webinar for people who are looking for gifts for people with vision loss. And uh, earlier this week, we had one on diabetes and diabetes medications. So we try to provide really helpful information, in those and archi- those webinars are archived, Uh, so that people can go back and listen to them later. And they're all available uh, at APHConnectCenter.org. You can access all the things I talked about, including the Vision Aware website and the other websites we have, which are Family Connect and our Career Connect and and Transition Hub. So they are all there together. Another thing on that page uh, we have, now we have an event calendar. So for example, if KCB was gonna have um, an event like this one and wanted everybody to know about it then uh, you can put uh, that on our calendar and it'll it'll be there for everybody to see what we wanted to do was to have a calendar that would be kind of a national type of calendar so people would know what was going on throughout the country and uh, you can put that information in yourself so it's a really really great resource Um, we also have been working with Mississippi State University uh, which has the OIB Technical uh, Center, and they have done what they call a Time to Be Bold campaign. And what they're trying to do is to help people who are new to vision laws find services. And so they've been having uh, ad, a whole ad thing out there that you may have, I don't know, it's been on TV and I think on radio, and Sylvia Stinson-Perez, who used to be the director at OIB Tech, just did a PSA that you may be hearing to try to get people to know where to contact to get services because it's just such a critical issue like I mentioned at the very beginning of my talk. So um, I'm going to stop there and see, Katie,
2: Do you would you like to add anything? Good afternoon, I guess. It is now afternoon in the Eastern time zone. Um, so I did just want to give out um, the, the, the website for the APH Connect Center and yes, I do work at APH um, with with Chris and other great colleagues, and I started there about a month ago. So, on the Vision Aware side, um, but the website for the APH Connect Center that um, Chris spoke about, where you can find all of our resources, including our contact information, is APH Connect Center all one word dot And the number for the information referral line, if anyone needs that, is.
5: Um, 800-282-5463. So if anybody has questions, I know I went through a heck of a lot of stuff in a very short period of time, but that's how I do it, so (laughs) ask questions away.
2: My name is Natalie Couch, and I'm actually Zoom hosting, and I may be getting in contact with you because we have formed a, with a partnership with, um, the Greater Louisville Council NFB chapter, we've, we're forming a TARC III Improvement Committee, so, um, I may be getting in contact with you.
5: About the transportation piece. Okay. Yes. I, I didn't give my email out. It's Chris Rogers, that's spelled P is in Peter, R-I-S-R-O-G-E-R-S, at gmail.com. Okay. So feels like <laughs> the old home week coming back and, and, and
1: having being involved with all these people. So it's great. Chris, I do have one question. This is Carla. Mm-hmm. Um, many years ago when AFB managed those sites, um, on those events, uh, there were places where you could put in local events, and then you could put in events that were, quote, nationwide or state events. And sometimes events don't fit neatly into those packages. And so I always had a question as to whether the local event, to which in some way people throughout the country were invited, should be listed, you know, uh, in under the Kentucky Area or should it be listed under the national area? Or how would that be defined? Where do we add our events? Are they just all in one place? Yeah, uh,
5: if you go go to the Connect Center, Center slash events, -hmm. there's a a pull down menu. And let me just tell you what it has. And then you can, it has the title of of the event, the organization, the start date start, time, end date, end time, uh, whether it's an all-day event or not, the time zone, uh, select your audience, and they have like adults with vision loss, parents, professionals, students, um, I think that's all it, and uh, any category tags that you might want to put in. And If you're offering CEUs, uh, if there's a fee and a description of the event, and then it's got contact information, which would be your name email phone and website if there is one so that's the kind of information you're looking for carla
1: okay and so would it be appropriate for chapters uh, at that level to list their activities um, especially if they are available for uh, people outside of their own their own specific city or whatever i see no reason why not do you katie I, i think it would be good to have the information up there
3: I think that's fine yes
1: okay and if it's a one-time event then i assume that someone would come along and take it down or um, i think it automatically goes off you know it goes off when the time is up okay mm-hmm. all right all right okay. any more questions from anyone well chris we really appreciate you being here and uh the information has been really good thank you so much what a jam-packed time with resources and information. So thanks, and we hope that we'll be um, working together on some programming in the future. Sounds great, and I look forward to hearing from you
5: guys on some of those things I talked about. Okay, take care, y'all. Have a good rest of your meeting, okay? Right. Thank you. All righty. Okay. Bye-bye.
0: If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, Call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org.